This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafuma. Mark Thompson. Get woke. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, we're going to be joined by Media Matters and and glad to have on the show someone else uh, for the first time from Media Matters. Always good to talk to all of the the great talent that's at Media Matters doing all of the great things that they do. We spoke um, recently about with Julie Tolbert about the media's coverage or lack thereof good coverage when it came to the road decision. I think we all saw that. And again, what Media Matters helps us do is help us to articulate what we're seeing. And we may think we're crazy, but Media Matters lets us know we're not crazy because they are actually looking at it and chronicling it. So when you see coverage, you say, wait a minute, something's missing or why am I not hearing about this? Media Matters helps us clear that up. And so we're going to do that again with regards to another ruling, terrible week of rulings that last week of the court from uh, from guns to Miranda, of course, uh, with regards to Roe. But what about uh, climate action, climate change and the EPA? Um, just a- another egregious ruling. And so we're happy now to be joined by the senior writer at Media Matters in the area of climate and energy, Evlando Cooper joins us now. Welcome you to having the plane, me. brother. How are you, man? I'm pretty good. How about yourself? Just fine. Just fine. Glad to have you. Glad to have you with us. So uh, once again, here's another example. And, and the good thing about what you all have been doing, I know it, it's 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 easy to isolate Fox. We can all pretty much close our eyes and do that. But you all are actually looking at at all the media and how the mainstream news should be covering it as opposed to how they have been covering it, right? Yes, sir. We definitely keep our eye on Fox, but also we believe that the other cable news networks and national TV news networks in general that aren't Fox should be doing a better job covering these issues instead of having Fox flooding the zone, dominating coverage and shaping the narratives. So we do try to keep an eye on both, but we do demand that the corporate TV news networks um, do a better job of covering climate. Well, first of all, I know over time you all have have looked at the coverage of climate in general, not just this rule. Yes. And that's kind of been declining, hasn't it, in terms of the actual raw coverage of what's happening with climate. Right. And so my colleague, um, Ted McDonald, uh, leads an annual climate broadcast study. And what he found this year is that there was quite significant improvement 
in climate coverage, um, but it hasn't been consistent. And we're calling for more consistency in that climate coverage. And now we're pushing for the networks to go beyond just saying climate change and demanding accountability for the industry, the fossil fuel industry, that's driving most of the climate change and, and, and the consequences that come along with that. Now, first of all, Brother Vlando, the, the ruling itself. Yes. Help our audience understand that, because with everything else that happened, this was just something else that seemed a little more complicated to the layperson. Uh, and I don't know if everybody had the bandwidth after the trauma of all these other rulings, especially Roe. So first of all, help us understand exactly what the Supreme Court undermined with that ruling. At a very high level, the Supreme Court undermined the EPA's ability to regulate harmful greenhouse gases mm-hmm. that um, are created by uh, power plants. This comes about, people remember the clean, uh, the, the, um, Obama, the clean power plan that President Obama um, proposed in 2015. It was a very um, ambitious piece, uh, policy proposal that was designed to address not only climate change, but also the pollution that fence line and frontline communities deal with. As a result of that, the Trump repealed that, but that wasn't good enough for the Republican attorney generals and the fossil fuel industry and its political allies. They wanted to go directly at the EPA's ability to uh, take climate action and regulate uh, greenhouse gases. So they brought this decision, which the court accepted. And the court basically, it didn't go as far as they may have wanted it to, but it did severely constrain the EPA's ability to do its job and to regulate climate, uh, regulate greenhouse gases and address climate change. And, and so what, what, what had been in place to do that regulation, uh, and, and make sure that we were becoming less dependent, well, less affected by the fossil fuel industry. The, the government and environmental protection agency can't do that anymore. Basically, it, it almost it did it not render the EPA irrelevant in this area. That was our fear. Um, and I'm not a legal expert, but, I, but I've been trying to read a lot about this. They're still trying to decide how far the decision goes. What we can say unequivocally is that it, it has severely hindered the EPA's ability to do the job. And what's worse and more concerning, uh, as a New York Times article that uh, was published ahead of the decision noted, that this is a concerted strategy by the, by the fossil fuel industry, Republican AGs. They're bringing these cases to a friendly Supreme Court that they in part funded to get them on the court in order to continue limiting the government's ability to take climate action. So although this EPA case may not have gone as far as they want it, it's still a harmful case, but there are many more cases in the pipeline that could you know, compound the harm from this one case. Now, what I like about this piece too, and folks, you can read this in mediamatters.org, we'll link to it, in the description for this show, the Supreme Court's EPA ruling is a major blow for climate action. Here's how national TV news should cover it. You all provide some guidelines. You're doing people's work for them. They need guidance. <laughs> Amen. Folks pay millions of dollars to consultants to come up with stuff and they still get it wrong. Our, our brother's giving it to y'all for free. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and we learn 
from the suggestions and guidelines that are being made here at Media Matters about how this should be uh, covered, Brother Cooper. So talk to us about that. How, how should you got several steps here? How should uh, the, the industry be covering this? And there are three main things. And I'm going to add a fourth in that too. One, they should cover how the decision is a victory for the fossil fuel industry. This is, like I said, this is a decades long billion dollar strategy that is yielding fruit that's going to benefit them, but harm all the rest of us. That needs to be contextualized and reported on. You can't report on the story without that context. Two, they need to discuss not only how this hurts the EPA, but there are a lot of people, a lot of experts who are proposing um, ways that the government can still take climate action. So you need to report on how the EPA has been um, hobbled a little bit, but you also got to report on the strategies that still exist to get us to where we need to be um, in necessary climate action. Three, you need to bring on experts um, and climate activists and legal scholars who are versed in his work, environmental justice advocates, people who can speak to the particular issue, people who represent the communities that are going to be the most harmed by these policies and give them a voice so they can kind of art clearly articulate what's at stake for them and for the rest of us. And number four, which wasn't in my piece, but something I've been giving thought to over the last few days with the rest of my team, this story definitely has a environmental justice frame to it. Um, like I said, the Clean Power Plan was uh, lobbied uh, was was lobbied for, improved by environmental justice groups who made it better. And the fossil fuel industry spent years after that eroding the plan, trying to kneecap um, Obama's ability to implement it, saying that the plan would actually harm uh, socially marginalized communities and vulnerable communities when it wouldn't, when actually it would have improved their lives. Trump wrote it back. And now the Supreme Court has used that as a jumping point to further um, erode the EPA's ability to protect these communities. That needs to be part of the story going forward as well. You said something earlier, too, that was important, um, that the fossil fuel industry helped to finance some of these, I guess, nominations and rulings and, and, and finance the scenario for some of these people to end up in, on the court anyway, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, Cinder Sheldon White House has done a lot of work on exposing all the dark money that comes to the court. Now, now the dark money comes from groups across a range of issue areas, um, but they are, it also comes from the fossil fuel industry. And they've worked really hard to finance um, legal societies, um, attorneys, judges who have a worldview, <laughs> I'll just put it like that, that is friendly um, to their business. Um, we talked about how uh, I did a piece when uh, Justice Amy Coney Barrett was being nominated, where Senator Whitehouse gave a very long presentation about the dark money network behind her nomination. Um, that never became part of the larger story about her nomination. Have you found any of the national and mainstream media since the ruling to take any of this advice or to improve in their coverage at all? Yeah, I can preview something else that we're working on. We're working up on a, on a follow-up piece about the coverage. I can say that the day one coverage, and this is a pattern that we've seen before, the day one coverage on CNN and MSNBC was pretty good. MSNBC definitely 
um, had the highest uh, quality of coverage. Um, CNN did a decent job of reporting the kind of top lines of the case. And Fox did what it does, which was celebrate you know, the decision and downplay climate change. What we see, though, is going forward since that day one coverage, which was pretty decent, we've seen a significant drop each day in the amount of coverage that the decision has received. And that's just something that we keep pushing towards, where even if they do a decent job day one covering it, by day 10, you don't hear about it anymore. And the issue becomes siloed away from larger um, coverage about climate change. And that's something we're pushing for to say, this decision should not be ignored or siloed. You did a good job reporting on it the day it happened. It must become part of your overall climate coverage so people understand what's really behind these decisions that are being made. Admittedly, though, isn't part of the challenge that they're in, they're in a business yes. news industry. Yes. They're, they're trying to sell and get it. And, and unfortunately, but, but see, let, let me finish my thought before I answer my own question. They, <laughs> they, it's like, I, I think the thinking is everybody's so focused on every other thing that they think is so much more urgent. But the reason everybody thinks that is because the news media isn't covering it. If, if they were covering it more, people would understand, wait a minute, this is as urgent as the gun shooting. Yes. Right. I mean, that's really what we're up against, trying to convince the media to help convince all of us that, yeah, the, what happened in Highland Park is absolutely urgent. But what's happening beneath the surface of that is is imminent and upon us as well with climate change. Right. Yeah. You know, I would never say that, you know, one issue is more important than the other. All of the like you, like you mentioned at the beginning, all of these cases have ramifications um, and harms for a number of different uh, concerned constituencies. What I would say is they should do a better investigative journalism. You're seeing corporate interests dictate policy in the United States, and it's harming all of us. The same corporations, the same industries that are funneling climate change are also the same ones um, funding any number of, of bad actions, the, the same corporations pumping guns into communities and fighting against gun control are the same ones that are trying to put um, hobble climate action and, and hobble climate change. So I don't think it's a story where each individual tragedy is siloed. I think the media needs to take a more intersectional, comprehensive view of the forces in this country that are harming all of our lives. That, that, that's a word you said right there. He said his grandfather was a preacher. Uh yeah, that was word you just gave us right there. <laughs> Thank you very much. Y'all hear what the brother said? The same entities that are wreaking havoc in all these other areas are intersected and in, in fact, some of the same that are impacting climate change. That's heavy. No, that's, that's really heavy. We don't think about that. We, we, and we tend, without that national coverage and that reporting, we tend to silo that ourselves as a community. You know, I, I mean, I, I think that's something that's definitely something to think about. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day to find out more. 
visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You said, though, that, that there's still some conversation going on as to how broadly the Supreme Court decision will impact us, right? That there's still yes. some analysis going on. Where, yes. where, where, where is that? Where are we in that process? I think really what it's going to boil down to is how the Biden administration responds to the ruling. I think we'll see what they believe are their. I think we'll have a better sense of of how far the ruling goes once we see what they come back with. Um, and I'm sure there's some reporting on that. I haven't seen it yet, but I think, you know. I do think that they'll have to come up with some creative solutions. And I've seen a couple of interviews with administration officials saying that they're working on, you know, a response to it and working on how that the EPA can still continue its task, even in the wake of uh, this, this harmful ruling. So let me ask you another question. And, and I might ask you to put your preacher hat back on for a minute. This is existential. Help us yes. to understand what is going on with the climate and the way it's affecting all of us ultimately is going to affect those in the fossil fuel industry. They, they're going to, those are human beings. They're going to be impacted yes. too. If we're going to die, they're going to die. <laughs> yes. What, what is it about them and about the industry that, that simply refuses to do anything about it? I mean, it's as, it's as if they, they're more interested in financing everyone's demise, including their own. And in the long run, it's going to impact them too. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's, a, it's always an interesting question. I can tell you there's a project called Exxon New, which uncovered documents from the 70s and 80s, where Exxon's climate scientists have been so spot on accurate in what they predicted 20, 30, 40 years ago about what, what is happening now. They knew then. And since then, they've been fighting against uh, reasonable climate actions that have taken 20 years ago, we would be in much better shape. What I can say is, and I can't speak for the average worker, you know, people do what they feel they need to, do to make ends meet. But for the executives, I think the executives feel they're going to be insulated from the consequences because of their money. I think it's completely reckless behavior. But I think the only way you can engage in these actions, knowing what they know, is if you think that it won't hurt you and yours. And I think that's partly what's driving a lot of these decisions, either the lack of ability to plan long term, denial, or just thinking that, hey, what, it won't affect me, my, me and my family and my friends will be fine. Uh, insulated by their money. Don't don't money, paper burn faster than flesh. That's what I thought. <laughs> From my understanding, that's going to go quick. Flesh is next. It's close to it. Um, Brother Cooper uh, said to us folks that, that, that he's a, a native New Orleanian, um, third generation of Londo. Um, I can't help but ask, based upon um, your hometown, is, is, is what inspired you? Because, again, this, this is an area where we need more people like you, not enough. So what inspired you to go down this lane and this path, uh, Brother Evlando, to, to, to deal with climate change and to write about it and advocate for it in your writing, in your research? I think it's a combination of uh, circumstance and 
an opportunity. I mean, obviously, I was living in New Orleans when when Katrina hit, and that had a tremendous impact. I mean, it changed my life. You know, I'm, I I haven't lived in New Orleans since. Thank goodness, a lot of my family and friends have been able to relocate, but I, I haven't lived in the city since. And I think even as as a young as a young man, I had an understanding of the environment and climate, but seeing just how destructive nature could be up close and how it could scatter millions of people. I think it, it led me down a path of wanting to know not only how this can happen, but how we can stop it, you know? And, you know, back then attribution science was kind of in its infancy. So it wasn't, you know, people were like, well, was Katrina really influenced by climate change? How much of, at this point now, there's no doubt that the heat waves, the droughts, the wildfires, that we're seeing things that are impacting human life, uh, the biodiversity collapse that are going to impact our ability to feed ourselves. These things are happening in real time and they're accelerating and the window for action is closing. And so I think at this point, everyday people can see how it impacts them in their own lives. I don't understand. And, they, and you know, even in the piece, poll after poll shows that people want the government to take climate action. Uh, this includes a majority of independents and a bare majority of Republicans. At a certain point, no matter who you are, where your ideological uh, views lay, this issue is going to impact you. And I don't understand the continued disconnect between the media and reporting on this in a way that people can understand not just what's happening, which they can see in their backyard, but what solutions exist to mitigate it. And the government, which, you know, the, the, which the government which has basically failed to protect us from a catastrophe that everyone can see on the horizon. Well, it's failing, you know, we'll see, you know, I have hope that they'll get their act together, but right. as of now, you know. Uh, you know, now, now that we're talking about this, and ladies and gentlemen, I hope you think about this too. When we look at the the, the, the national news cycle, the television news in particular, um, the 24 hour or less news cycle, is often very repetitive. Same coverage, same story, loop, loop, loop. Now, to me then, there is room to cover this more. Because <laughs> most of us, if we watch the national television news for an hour, we got it. Then the next hour, we're seeing the same thing over again. Now, most of us are programmed, we just keep the TV on, just hear the same thing over and over again until we actually memorize it, uh, unfortunately. But imagine if there, there were more coverage and this was put into it, even to it, a, a smaller percentage more than it already is, and it's not much now. The difference that would make in terms of our overall awareness. Wouldn't you agree, Evlando? I mean, that's something they would think they'd be able to do. You know that. I mean, studies have shown that when people um, see, read, and hear about climate change, but not just hearing about you know the the scary part of it, which is very scary, but hear about ways they can take action, it galvanizes them. Part of my push for um, my, part of my push and our program's push to push the corporate news media to do better isn't because we want to see more doom and gloom stories, but we we think that public policy solutions lie when people can actually see who's responsible for doing something wrong and what pathways exist to mitigate the worst consequences. It can actually drive people to be more participatory in their governments, whether it's the local, state, federal, regional level. But 
we don't see that. So people just kind of are stuck in this silo thinking, you know, these incidents are isolated and there's nothing they can really do about it, which breeds apathy. You know, you're right. And we mentioned our brother's role. He's with the Climate and Energy Program at Media Matters. Have to ask you this. Have you all studied, does anybody know, in terms of national television media, mainstream media, not to mention print, um, and we know how that's contracting those jobs. Uh, do enough media even have climate beats, climate reporters, climate desks? Have we looked at that? Because I think that's that may be a place we need to look into as well. No doubt newsrooms across the country, digital news outlets have taken a tremendous hit. Um, and I think there are some very smart people trying to find a way to mitigate the erosion of journalism across this country, which is being more consolidated and repetitive. Um, there are a couple of innovative initiatives uh, covering climate now. Um, uh, I think once a year or twice yearly now, they uh, have created kind of a network where you can share climate reporting, where they support smaller um, publications, smaller newspapers, by helping provide them with good climate reporting or elevating their reporting to the national level so people can be more, more aware of issues at the local level. Um, I think we need a lot more initiatives like that. I think we need a lot more support for local investigative journalism, which, you know, uncovers like, you know, from Louisiana, I'm from Cancer Alley. You know, activists broke that story, but it took a, a, an engaged news media to bring it to the people. So I think you need a lot more investigative journalism to kind of uncover who's doing what, why, how. And, um, you know, I, I hope to see some kind of innovative model in the future that can support that kind of work. No, that's precisely what we need. Lastly, uh, um, I mean, here's some I mean, you're 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 part of the program. You're holding media accountable. I, I, I'm making you wear a lot of hats. though. I, I have you wear just one more before we go. Yes, just a, a, as someone who's uh, uh, who covers climate, who talks about it, who studies and understands it, uh, give us give us a summary, if you would, in terms of where we stand right now as humankind. What's what's the clock like now, Evlando? How imminently are we in greater danger? than we've known before. Are we talking about 40 years, 30 years, even less than that? If you can give us sort of a glimpse of just what danger we're in. Yeah, I, you know, a lot of smart UN scientists uh, puzzle over this. What, what, I can, what I can say is if we continue on the path that we're on, we're going to create a planet that is largely unlivable for a great number of people. I think um, the time to transition away from fossil fuels to mitigate some of these very scary impacts was yesterday. The next best time to do it is right now. And I think the sooner that we can get off of this uh, fossil fuel intensive path, which you know worries me because it seems like we're doubling down on fossil fuel production, but the sooner we can get away from this path towards a path of clean renewable energy, the worst consequences that will suffer down the line. And so that's why I think it's very urgent. And like I said, people can see it happening in their, in their own backyards. They can feel it. 
Right. You know, yeah, and the anecdotal evidence isn't the best evidence, but people across this country, across this world, know that something is changing, something is different. And so I, I think with that knowledge that we need to pressure people in power to do something so that we can have a livable planet in the next 20, 30, 40, 100 years. Hmm. It's getting real, y'all. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Check out Evlando Cooper at MediaMatters.org. And of course, his latest piece, the Supreme Court's EPA ruling is a major blow for climate action. Here's how national TV news should cover it. Uh, you got a preview, brother, on the on the next uh, project you're working on? Yeah, like I mentioned uh, a little bit ago, we're working on a follow-up piece that actually examines how it was covered the day of and then the ensuing few days. So we hopefully have that up um, in the next few days. Um, and, you know, we're going to keep pushing forward, demanding better coverage um, of this issue so that people were informed enough to take some, some necessary actions. Amen. Evlando Cooper, folks, MediaMatters.org. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me.